Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be looking ahead to Sunderland's championship fixture against Bristol City at the Stadium of Light. So to preview the match, joining myself, Joe Nicholson, we are joined by Jordan Jones from Bristol World. Jordan, how's things? It's going well, thank you. How about yourself, Joe? Yeah, it's going pretty well. Um, we've got two teams in, looks like, in pretty good form, which we'll come on to uh, later in the podcast. Um, and yeah, I think it's going pretty well for, for both Sunderland and Bristol City. So looking forward to a good game at the Stadium of Light on Saturday. But Bristol City, Jordan, um, they may be 16th in the table, but just looking at their kind of recent results, they're actually unbeaten in 10 games, a few FA Cup games in there as well. So how would you kind of assess the moves in the camp and their form coming into this game? Yeah, there's a lot of positivity around the place, um, the Bristol City at the moment. Um, it's very much different to what it was um, just after the World Cup break, um, around that um, winter period time, around Christmas time, where there was a bit of a worry um, that Nigel Pearson was going to lose his job. A few fans, uh, I suppose, were getting on his back. And um, it was a game against West Brom on Boxing Day, where I think a few fans booed and were chanting that they wanted Pearson out. And then the mood is now completely different uh, at Ashton Gate. Fans are all fans and players and uh, management staff are all singing on the same hymn sheet. Think that they, th they think that they've had a, a, a good transfer window and obviously that's coincided with a good run of form. Um, homegrown talent um, is is still uh, a large consent, it's still a large part of what Bristol City are all about. They've had a good transfer window, good run of form. Um, looking at the table, 16 is a bit surprising, but I suppose that's just because of their bad run of form. Um, obviously, when they had that, a similar unbeaten run at the start of the season and then went out of form, um, but it's, I can't imagine it won't be too long that they won't try to ascend up the table. Mm. Yeah, well, we say they're 16th in the table, but just looking at it now, it is incredibly tight as it's kind of been all season. So Sunderland are in fifth on 48 points, Bristol City down in 16th on 40 points. So a win could move them into the top half of the table. So still very tight. And is there kind of still talk of maybe a late playoff push or what are kind of the expectations at Bristol City now at the minute? I think um, the P word playoffs um, isn't a word that I think is spoken about um, between, uh, I think, the squad, um, no, well, not publicly at least, and, and Nigel Pearson himself. I think he played down uh, that last week, even though they beat uh, Norwich. I think um, he's just focusing on that kind of one game mantra and the next game that they focus on and things like that. Um, I think it's you do see some teams, I think um, Blackpool in 0910 was one of them where they just come out of nowhere and they get into the playoffs. Um, there's teams that are like that that will will try and get into the top six. Um, but I think a lot has changed um, in the championship is that a lot of teams um, just have that financial power. Um, a lot of the teams have parachute payments and things like that. Um, and so if if they do miss out on the playoffs, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad season. I think they just want an improvement on the last two seasons, uh, finishes under Pierce. And I think 17th and 18th, um, I think the top half finish um, would probably be the fitting of this team that Nigel Pearson currently has. Mm -hmm. Well, the last time we saw Bristol City it was all the way back in August. It was Sunderland's first away game of the season. Quite an entertaining game as well. 3-2, it finished to Sunderland. Um, Sunderland's goal scorers that day, two for Ellis Sims and one for Ross Stewart. Neither of them will be playing on Saturday. Stewart, of course, is injured and Sims been recalled for, by Everton. Um, but from a Bristol City point of view, Jordan, what's changed since then, since that game back in August, kind of personnel-wise and mm -hmm. the style of the way the team are playing at the minute. 
I just remember that game for just how good Sims was as well. Um, quality performance from him. Um, and I think, obviously, if he was a pick of the championship, I think, is that obviously it's a shame that he's gone back to Everton now, but that was such a good performance from him. Um, quite a bit has changed. Um, I think one of the goals um, that Sims scored, that Naismith was caught in possession, um, and I think he was punished for that as well. Now, he was signed as a centre-back. He wanted to go into... The, it was a free at the back system that City had been playing um, a lot during Nigel Pearson's tenure, um, and sometimes this is the debate whether um, it's well what the, what the team needs and what a manager prefers. Obviously, sometimes a manager will come in and be like, "Right, I want to play this system and this formation." And sometimes a manager takes a different approach and it's like, "Well, this squad can play four four two or four three three, so I've got to play at this system." Um, over the last month, which has coincided with a good run of form, is that they've ditched the five at the back system now, um, and they've now gone to a four at the back system. And surprisingly, you think more defenders equals more clean sheets, more defensive solidity, but actually the four at the back system um, has actually worked a, a bit better um, in City's saver. And you've got George Tanner right back, Cameron Pring left back, and then you've got the centre-back partnership with Atkinson um, and Zach Viner. And that's quite a youthful back line. Um, I think Viner might be the oldest player in that back line. I think 25 is, is the oldest, or 26 is the oldest in that back line. So it's a youthful back line. Um, but it, what we've seen from City in previous, well, under Pearson, is that sometimes they're naive and they can see goals that are cheap and they get punished. And every press conference, uh, if you, they lose, I think Sunderland was one way. You just you hate to see those mistakes, and we're not seeing that many mistakes now from this Bristol City defence. Is that they're, they're becoming a bit more streetwise? Is, is the easy way to put it? Is that they're doing the dark arts of the game? They're seeing out games, um, and you only have to look at a clean sheet against Norwich team as Timu Puki that this youthful back line can, can deal with that um, you've got that back four and then in the midfield three um, you'd have Alex Scott, Matty James um, and it was Cal Naismith who Naismith I don't think he's played everywhere in his career he's, he, I think he was a left winger um, and then he turned into a full back and then he was a centre back of Bristol City um, and now he moved into centre defence in the midfield and he did a really good job there um, he's injured and he'll miss out on this game so Joe Williams came in for him um, in the past few games it, it doesn't look like he's, he's been out of place um, he's waited for his opportunities I think Nigel Pearson said he's waited for his opportunities he was frustrated with his opportunities, um, but now he is slotted into that role, and that allows Scott to be the most advanced of the midfield three. And then obviously, you've got a bit of a change now. So on Wednesday, they changed it up a bit because obviously the double game week. Um, but the usual um, attack would be uh, Mark Sykes, who's been well in form. Um, I think five goals and six championship matches. Sam Bell on the left, and then Naki Wells at front. But because they've signed players like Anis Mametti and Harry Cornick. Um, there's different options off of the bench now and obviously we've seen players leave like at Antoine Semenya as well mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned uh, earlier Rob Atkinson who some fans may remember a few weeks ago that Nigel Pearson kind of quite publicly left him out the side wasn't he and he was asked about it because he was playing Matty James a centre midfielder at centre back and there was a bit of confusion there but it looks like now Atkinson has come back into the team and kind of solidified that back line like you say and it looks like are they much more now a tougher team to beat would you say than before that kind of spell where Atkinson was out the team yeah so it was, it was Andy King sorry um, that oh, Andy King, yeah, um sorry. which was quite a weird thing because obviously he's won the Premier League title with Leicester yeah. third field and he's gone into um centre-back but yeah um I think Atkinson spoke recently actually um and he was he kind of took on that leadership role in the other tournaments even though it was like two games or something at most he said he had to take on a leadership role because he was the oldest player and he says I think he's 24 or 25 and like he's saying that like 
Um, like I've never been the oldest player on the pitch, and he was um, at, at that stage. Um, I think he's really benefiting from Zach Viner, and I did ask him. Um, one player is kind of it's kind of similar to Atkinson is that Atkinson obviously was in League One before he came to Bristol City, so he's had he's had that year last year, and last year I think he was out for a few months at least. Um, I think he had, uh, suffered illness um, and was out for a few few months, and then came back, and I think um, he lost a lot of weight, and he had to get to grips with that, um, and he's still playing on the back five, and obviously um, they were shipping a lot of goals, but he's built up a really good partnership with Zach Viner and his centre back partner uh, Zach Viner. We thought he was going to leave in the summer. Um, but now he's a fan favourite, fans sing his name, um, and obviously he's homegrown and things like that. So um, the two centre-backs um, are really hard uh, to beat. Um, and you could put um, the most goal-scoring striker in the championship, um, the top scorer in the championship, and I think that they would struggle to get there. You, you only have to see what happened with Timu Puki is that he was kept out. He, I think he had one shot. He could barely get a sniffer goal. So it just shows that those defenders, despite being so young, um, are really uh, learning um, what it is about to defend in the championship. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that maybe there was perhaps a bit of pressure growing on Pearson, maybe before the World Cup break or just afterwards. What's kind of the feeling now among supporters? Are they quite happy with him in charge to take the team forward or is there still a few that are not quite convinced by his kind of methods? I think it's a weird one because obviously when Pearson joined, I think his last job was Watford in the Premier League. Um, and so um, to, it's not necessarily a drop down, but obviously um, you have those expectations that you want to manage a team that at least they're going to be um, challenging for promotion. But um, I think People really appreciate the job that Pearson um, has done in that um, when he came in, he's had to really overhaul the squad. Um, the team, uh, obviously, the, you have to navigate through financial fair play. You have to try and avoid um, being punished. And it looks like touch wood um, that they will avoid that. There won't be any points deduction because um, in previous years, they had to rely on big sales of their players. And obviously, the market has changed completely. But the, the wage bill is going down considerably. The losses are going down. Um, so there's less money that's going out of the club um, and they're still trying to remain competitive. Um, I think that he's in the second year, he'll set, separate his second year at the club next week, um, next Thursday and he'll have two years there into a three-year contract. And kind of his message was, if I don't take you to the Premier League, uh, it's kind of like I've put the foundations in place and sometimes it's, it's not nice, like every club wants to be successful at the end of the season. Um, they want to be in the playoffs, so they want to be promoted. No one wants to be relegated, but I think those the, the City fans can understand that they've got to go through a few years or perhaps mid-table finishes and things like that to um, accept. And then, obviously, then they can try and challenge for promotion again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Nigel Pearson is one of the most longest-serving managers in the Championship, isn't he? Maybe second or... Yeah, third, third I think. Although, although I think half the team have changed. I, mean, I think I was looking at a stat the other day. Tony Mowbray is like 12th longest-serving manager and he was only appointed um, earlier this season. So um, they, they do have a seem to have a bit of stability there with Pearson. But... How do you think he'll set his side up on Saturday, coming to the Stadium of Light? When I've seen Bristol City or even earlier in the season, it looked like they were quite good going forward, but there were kind of gaps at the back, as we've kind of touched on before. It looks like they've mm -hmm. maybe improved at the back, but how do you see them kind of setting up, coming away to Sunderland um, and playing at the Stadium of Light? 
So when you have like a pre-match press conference, I think um, you ask questions about the opposition. I think Pearson doesn't really divulge too much about the opposition. He might praise them a little bit. Um, but I think he's always a manager that doesn't really focus on the opposition. He focuses on the strengths um, ultimately. So he's, he's always like um, focus on our strengths and then the, the work will come uh, after that really. So um, I don't see a change in shape or, or things like that. Um, there's no one really that's missing that was missing beforehand um, as well. So I can't see much personnel changing. I think we might go back to the team that um, beat Norwich. I know Mehmeti made his debut um, and uh, Mehmeti uh, made his first start and Cornick came on um, and, and things like that. But I can't see them starting just because they've drawn with Wigan and they played well, they dominated in, in a way, but I think they'll just go back to what it was is that they've given a breather now. Um, Mark Sykes, I think, will come back in and then um, you'll have Sam Bowell on the left and that just offers a bit more. Um, on the road, I think You've just you've just got to go for it, really, um, and I can't see much changing. Um, they might have to be a bit more streetwise in the midfield battle. I think will determine that. Um, Matty James is a player that, in recent weeks, um, he goes under the radar. So if you're doing your player ratings, you're not going to give him like an eight or a nine, um, but he's someone that's like a solid seven or something because. His work goes under the radar, um, and I think he'll be a player that kind of determines what happens um, in that match as well. I think the only thing to worry about is Alex Scott is on nine yellow cards, and he was asked, mm -hmm. Pearson, um, earlier this week, um, kind of does that come into his thinking? Do you take him out? Because I think he's got six more games to get through before avoiding the two-game ban. So that's one thing is that I think um, if the Sunderland players... Um, wanted to pick out on Alex Scott. That, that's the one thing to note is that um, all he has to do is get a yellow card and he's up for the next two games. Obviously, it might not impact the game too much um, for Sunderland, but obviously that's, he's walking on a tightrope, obviously, having to deal with that suspension that's uh, hanging over his head. Mm -hmm. Well, Sunderland's last game at the stadium of like they played Reading at home and it was quite clear that Reading had come for probably a point. They were trying to waste time at every opportunity and in the end, Sunderland managed to get the goal about six minutes from the end through Patrick Roberts. But how do you think Bristol City would approach it? Will they be coming and maybe happy to try and hit them on the counter-attack and try and um, concede possession? Or will they try and come and, and have the ball and try and really pose Sunderland some threats in possession? What do you think? Yeah, there was a statistic um, at the start of the season and it went, when it went into the middle of the season. And actually, City couldn't win games if they had more possession. Um, right. And against Wigan, um, I think they had more possession, but Wigan were just a tough nut to crack. Um, they just couldn't get into them. Obviously, they opened the scoring and then Wigan equalised and then they had the better the opportunities. Um, City are a counter-attacking team, so um, that's what I think will happen. And that just, I think you have to allow for that. The home team usually has more possession, um, but City's strengths are being a good counter-attacking team. Um, and this change of shape, you've got two wingers um, that can easily just take on their man. They're both speedsters um, and they can they can break uh, down the defenders. So I think there'll be a counter-attacking team, but that's that's not a team that's going to set up shop. They're not going to try and frustrate um, Sunderland, I think. It's just as their key strengths are being counter-attacking teams. And um, sometimes when they're on the break, it's, you're worrying as a defender. Um, so, yeah, like I say, um, it's not that obviously they just want to set up shop part of the best. Um, and things like that. I just think that's their strength. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned there's been changes in Sunderland's kind of attacking line since that game against Bristol City back at Ashton Gate in August. Um, also been changes in the, the Bristol City lineup as well. Looking, Chris Martin scored that day in the 3-2 um, back in August. He's no longer at the club. Um, I was just looking at their top scorers as well. Naki Wells is their top scorer with 
with nine league goals, but he didn't start against Wigan um, in midweek. So who are kind of the key attacking players? I know you mentioned Alex Scott before is a very young player who's coming through and looked very good this season. But who are the other kind of players in and around him that some of them have to be wary of uh, on Saturday? Um, if Mark Sykes does start, um, I do think that um, he'll be a handful uh, for the Sunderland defenders. Um, one player that obviously I've mentioned before was Sam Bell um, from their academy last year. He came on a wing back or something. So I think against Birmingham, he only had a horrible day um, and something that they put behind him. He was scoring the under 21s this season now. Um, he's kind of, I think, um, I think it was a few weeks ago on the EFL show that they said, Dean Ashton said that he was kind of a replacement uh, for Antoine Semenyo. So he's playing on the left hand side, but he's quite fearless. Um, against Swansea, I think he scored one of the goals of the round, the way he just dribbled through the defence and uh, managed to score. Um, and he scored a brace against West Brom, the FA Cup as well. So he's one player, I think, that if you don't know too much about him, you will know a lot about him, um, obviously, uh, when the game comes. And if he does start as well, I think he scored his first championship goal against uh, Preston a few weeks ago. So you're still getting to grips with the championship. But um, he's a player that, I suppose, can have that similar influence as Scott uh, and Manu as well. And it's just interesting to see how much the squad has changed since then. It's because last season, Chris Martin and Antoine Semenyo uh, were part of a, a, a three-man uh, trio that was so served them so well that with Vyman, Semenyo and uh, Martin. And now things have changed. The team isn't reliant, I suppose, on one player. Naki Wells um, has done well to come out of the shadows where he wasn't getting opportunities and now he's scoring. Um, so a lot of players in that attacking line that can cause problems, but also a mention has to go out to Anis Mometi. I think um, if... You're in the championship and you're a lower half championship team. You you have to sign Mameti. And I think Bristol City um, have got an unearthed gem here. They've not had to spend too much. I've not had to break the bank to sign him. Uh, but he's going to be one of those players, and I suppose in a few years' time, um, the, the championship will be fully aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sunderland have come up against Mameti before when he played for Wickham last season in League One. So um, they'll know a bit about him, but they'll also know a bit about Semenya as well, you mentioned there, who's obviously now moved on. Uh, in January, but just how much have they missed him? Because you mentioned he was a key player last season and have they kind of managed to replace what he offered? I think he was injured, wasn't he, for the game? Yeah. Yeah. He said he was a key player last season. Yeah, so um, he was a key player from last season, and it's kind of he worked up a good partnership with Martin. He was Vyman was in the ten, and then Martin and Semenya would be the strikers, and that's kind of what it was for most of the season. Um, but because Semenya was out for a few months at the start of the season, City have kind of just adapted to not having Semenya, um, and that's not to downplay Semenya's influence. Because when Pearson, when Semenya was at the club. Pearson said that Semenyo's a unique player. He's someone um, that we don't have anyone else that can do what he does um, as well. But I think so far this month that they've had without Semenyo, they've, they've coped well with him. I think you expect, you'd have expected him to leave the club. Um, obviously, they extended his contract and then ultimately just got what he wanted for him. Um, and a lot of that, I think fans weren't happy um, with the initial fee, but there's a lot of add-ons um, to that. But I think... Um, Martin going as well, getting released, that was always going to happen, just his lack of opportunities um, this season as well. But um, no surprise to see Semenya go to the Premier League. But I think so far they've, they've coped well. Um, and I don't think they've bought their replacement yet. They've bought players like Mometi who can change the game on his own. But I think um, they've not broke the bank, as I said. Um, so in uh, in the summer, I think that's when they'll spend more of the Semenya money. Mm-hmm. Well, just finally, Jordan, we usually finish our podcast by just asking our guests just for a quick score prediction, how we think the game is going to go on Saturday. 
So I'm going to, I think, the unbeaten run will continue for Bristol City and I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I think, um, obviously, with Sunderland being in the top half in the playoffs and um, getting a point at the stadium would like to be a positive result for Bristol City. So I'm going to go 1-1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think Sunderland are in good form. Um, Mowbray made a few changes at QPR on on Tuesday night so I can see kind of the players that he left on the bench for that game that then came on. People like Amaz, Dan Neal, Mishu might return to the to starting eleven as well. So, I think Sunderland are in good form and I think at home they're starting to get some positive results as well. So I think they might just edge it 2-1, but we'll see it's two good sides uh, in good form at the minute. So should be a good game at the Stadium of Light on Saturday. But uh, Jordan, thanks a lot for coming on the latest episode of the Raw podcast. You can subscribe to the Sunderland Echo for our premium content and ad light experience over on our website. And if you like what we do with the Raw podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review for all the latest SFC news you can head over to the SFC section of the Sunderland Echo website to find the the thoughts of Sunderland head coach Tony Mowbray he spoke to the media on Thursday and will also have live updates and analysis from the Stadium of Light as Sunderland take on Bristol City on Saturday once again thanks a lot for listening to the latest episode of the Raw podcast